0: This is Bloomberg Business Week. With Carol Masser on Bloomberg Radio. You are listening to Bloomberg Business Week. I'm Carol Masser in our Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio. A story on the Bloomberg today about how animal spirits are famously running wild across Wall Street. Uh, We crunched the numbers. First day return for IPOs averaging 40% this year, the highest ever other than 1999 and 2000, according to one estimate. And on top of that, SPACs, the special purpose to acquisition vehicles, uh, those blank champ uh, companies. They have raised over $60 billion this year. That's more than the previous decade combined. So let's look at both of those markets and see what that tells us. Excuse me. Joining us is Steve excuse me, Steve Cakebread. He's CFO of the publicly held digital media technology company Yext. He's former CFO of Pandora, former president and chief strategy uh, off at uh, chief strategy at Salesforce, excuse me, also author of the IPO playbook and insider's guide on taking your company public and how to do it right. And Steve, that's what I get for stuffing my uh, mouth with a cookie just before we go on air. So my apologies. Um, Steve joins us out on the phone from Wyoming. Nice to have you here with us, Steve. It has been a crazy year when you look at the markets. And we talked about great year for the markets, not so great for humans uh, earlier on air. What do you make of the IPO market? Let's start there.
1: Yeah, Carol, thank you very much for uh, having me on today. Yeah, IPO market, as you said, starts to return to early days where IPOs are important. And I think it's exciting because it's a big part of how wealth is created in this country, and uh, particularly for individuals, but also for institutions. So I'm excited to see the market come back and uh, hopefully we'll get others. and I know 2021 is lining up to be strong as well.
0: Yeah. did it like surprise you though, in a year that was just you know off the charts on so many levels and you know the personal impact, the health impact, of course, of COVID, the economic impact, but yet to see such a strong IPO market?
1: Yeah, that's a great observation. You would have thought with uh, macroeconomics and all the issues that we had, we had elections too, right. But I also think it talks to the strength of the capital markets. And where companies that are growing and aspiring to get bigger and continue to grow, the access to capital in the public markets is the easiest and most efficient way to get there. And you also have different ways to get capital through debt offerings, convertible offerings, and the IPOs and SPACs and direct listing, as you mentioned. So I think what uh, businesses started to see is it's time to get into the market and get access to the capital because it's always there despite the heavy lift or load on pandemics and macroeconomics.
0: Well, what do you make, though? Yeah, God, I have so many questions for you. Um, is it at all akin to the IPO market that we saw back in 1999 in 2000? To me, having you know covered business news and the markets at that point, I think it's very different in terms of the companies that we're seeing come to market versus today. I also feel like we have a market that kind of smacks you down pretty quickly if you're not legit or there's problems.
1: Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I don't think this is the 1999-2000 entries here where companies were coming to market a little too early or people didn't understand the business model. I think one of the big things about this market is you're right. People are bringing real businesses. People do understand business models, and the investors can look into those and look beyond just what the macroeconomics are of a company so long as they understand the long-term business model. So, yeah, I, I feel this is very different. I think the market is also looking for growth opportunities, as you guys discussed. Uh, on your show numerous times, and there is a change in innovation going on. So that's how new businesses get into the market with IPOs.
0: Well, what do you make of DoorDash and Airbnb this year? And we've had a lot of analysis about who ultimately is the longer play here. Some think it's DoorDash because they're so established in the marketplace when it comes to all the online ordering. Airbnb will see whether people continue to use it once life gets back to normal. How do you see it?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think some of the larger IPOs like DoorDash and Airbnb, one is they probably should have gone out earlier because people didn't get to participate in some of their growth. But now that they're out, people are saying, hey, I use these every day. I want to invest in them. I think there's a little bit of froth in the retail or individual investor side as people are learning, particularly individuals that haven't been in the market for all that long. Remember, they exited for a while. It was mostly institutional. So I think you're seeing a lot of individual investors learning how to invest in companies. And clearly one of the ways to do that is invest in a company that you use. And certainly all of us have used some type of food delivery service. Right. And a lot of people were using Airbnb and the similar companies or companies to get out of the city. So I think it's investors investing in what they do and use. I'm a big fan of starbucks so i invest in
0: starbucks right right it's like the old peter lynch model going way back when right just you know invest in things you really really understand or that you use it's why you know it's interesting and maybe i'm going in a little bit of a different direction but all of the fang stocks and we constantly have conversations about overvaluation and i'm not trying to pump them up any more than they have but (laughs) i use amazon a lot and when i go to buy something it's usually the first place i look
1: yeah, exactly. I think you, you know, one of the investment strategies is to go where you go. And like you said, you use Amazon, you invest there. If you use some other service, you go there because you're supporting the company. You know what the company's doing. You also know what, how good or how bad their service might be. So I think that's, for yeah. individual investors, I think that's really important to invest in where you spend your money day to day.
0: Well, and in terms of transparency, I do think like WeWork was a bit of a lesson, right? And as much as there was so much excitement over it and so much talk about it, and ultimately, you know, the emperor has no clothes on, like we we got to see kind of what was really going on. And there is something about, I feel like in this marketplace, that there is a certain level of transparency that comes to light fairly quickly, quickly with quotations marks on it, because we know a lot of money went into WeWork before it all came out
1: right well i think that's one of the reasons why and you know i talk a lot about to venture capital and uh, entrepreneurs get your company out public earlier because that discipline that governance the transparencies that come for being public also help your company to be more operationally efficient inside and i think raises the value line of the company inside so people understand what they have to do in that transparency does so large degree show up earlier if you go public earlier.
0: Well, that's interesting Steve that you say that because there's so much money out there and we do see whether it's an Airbnb or a DoorDash, they are able to stay private for a lot longer because they are able to do multiple funding rounds. Um, Is that a good or bad thing? Got about 30 seconds and then we'll take a break and we'll come back and talk some more. Well,
1: it's a good thing but I also think it's a bad thing because I think you leave individual investors behind because the prices that go out are too high.
0: Uh, SoftBank getting in. I do wonder, is there a point when it comes to SPACs that we're all of a sudden saying, okay, we've hit a peak here. How do you see it, Steve?
1: Yeah, well, that's a good question, Carol. You know what? Old is new, right? Because they've been around for a long time. Yeah. And there's been a ton of money raised into SPACs and the blank check companies this past year or so. And, you know, it really gets down to how you want to take or what you need in your company to get it public. Because at the end of the day, SPACs direct listings and other things do end up being public. I do think that one has to be careful because there's a lot of different uh, people that lead these facts and you have to make sure their investment, uh, if you will, standards are at high enough to meet your investor needs. And then also, it's really a question, are there really enough companies out there to be bought with that type of money yes. at this point? So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Everybody has a two year window. And the clock's ticking when you uh, go raise that money. So we'll see what happens.
0: Well, this is what I wonder, Steve. I mean, there is so much money out there. And we talked about this a little bit more, you know, earlier about these IPO company, you know, companies that ultimately IPO, they've been around for a few years. So we've gotten used to them. We've heard about them. We've gotten to see kind of them grow their business and, and understand their financials better. But I do wonder when there's so much money chasing maybe... When there, you know, too few deals, you know, ultimately what kind of instability or you know a skewed equation that we ultimately get in the marketplace?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. We've seen the run-ups in the the companies we talked about, uh, you know, Doordash mm-hmm. and Airbnb and others, and I think that's where investors have to be a little bit cautious. You you can pay too much for something, and you can wait for the vision because you're investing in the longer-term vision. So the question is, how much are you paying today? For that longer term vision, and how long is it going to take to achieve that result? So, right. yeah, there's a lot of money chasing this, and I think individual investors just need to be cautious about what they're doing with their money when they invest in these.
0: I mean, why does someone like SoftBank, that has a lot of money, do a SPAC? And I I should point out that the head of the Vision Fund originally revealed plans for the SPAC uh, in an interview they did with Bloomberg News at the Milken Institute virtual conference back in October. So we we knew this was coming. But why do they need to do this? I mean, same thing with hedge fund investors. I mean, is it just because it's a great vehicle to make some fast money? I don't know.
1: (laughs) Well, it's a great vehicle to make money potentially. But I do think... It's because there's an open market or open window here for folks like SoftBank and other hedge funds to go raise money. Mm Because remember, raising money is job one here. And right now it's easy to raise money, low interest rates, a lot of confusion in the marketplace. So I view the SPACs and the hedge funds and SoftBank doing this as just another vehicle for them to raise money as opposed to go out and look for limited partners or other individual investors to get into their funds.
0: Hey, one thing I want to ask you, big picture. You've worked at a lot of different well-known companies. Uh, look at this market; have seen the ups and downs in terms of cycles. You know, I mentioned at the kick at the beginning of our interview about a story that's running on Bloomberg about the animal spirits running, you know, wild across the street. So we've got great market for financial markets, but it's not been a great year for humans. I mean, we have just incredible inequities and just the gaps what will potentially be the consequences of all of that?
1: Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And I, when I talk to people and in, uh, in institutions and investors, I think there's a disconnect between what the market's doing and quite frankly, what our neighbors are suffering through here. And, you know, my family's in a, in a business that depends on the restaurant business. And boy, when you don't have that type of market, it's tough to run these businesses these days. So I think we need to be cautious because although there's, euphoria around the vaccine there's Mm -hmm. a lot of unknowns coming from that and i think i kind of look at this as it's going to be a tough market for the next couple years simply because there's so many people out of work and we need to get those people back to jobs and back to work to have a really robust economy.
0: Yeah, exactly. And there needs to be, you know, more of that wealth distribution that we've talked about. All right. Last note, a little bit of a lighter note, but I I hope it's lighter because I I don't know how it's been going. But you are also the co-owner and founder of Cake Bread Cellars uh, in Napa Valley. How has that been going?
1: Well, I'm going to give my credit to my parents. They founded it. I just got to work there and enjoy the experience and obviously taste the wine. But um, yeah, the, the wineries. You know, like I said, in Napa Valley with the opens and closings that the state has put on them, most of us sell to restaurants. And the restaurant business obviously is in difficult shape right now. But I think everybody is trying to keep their workforce employed because that's job one. And you change how you do business. We do a lot more Internet sales. I will say that, you know, online purchases of wines of all ilk, are probably doing pretty well these days. I know I'm always online trying to buy more wine. (laughs) And so, you know, just to get you through the day. But, you know, it's a struggle. I mean, if you have a family business, a small business, Mm -hmm. something that depends on walk-in people, it's really tough right now. We're very cognizant of that. And like I said, our number one goal is to keep our workforce employed because we know that when things come back, it's going to be really hard to hire good people back.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, I wish you well uh, with your team and certainly uh, personally throughout the holidays. Steve, thank you so much. Really enjoyed this conversation. Steve of Cakebread, he's a CEO of Yext, uh, joining us on the phone from Wyoming. As I mentioned, he's also the author of the IPO Playbook, an insider's guide on taking your company public and how to do it right. Uh, He knows how to do it because he was with uh, these companies, whether it's Pandora, uh, also Salesforce, a bunch of these companies where he was with them before they went public. So really knows all of firsthand. So great to talk about the IPL market to talk about SPACs.